All right, turn with me if you would. I guess turn with me to 1 Peter. That's where we're going to be looking at first. We're still in Galatians. We haven't abandoned Galatians. I pray that the little interlude that I've done in Hebrews and what we started last week in looking at the seeds has not been a convolution of what we're talking about in Galatians. It was meant, at least in my mind, was meant to give aid to why we believe what we believe about Galatians and that the promise, remember the whole the whole thing about Galatians is that Paul was coming back to a people who has preached the gospel and that was the gospel that Christ has done everything for you. Christ has saved you and he is he has done everything that God requires, everything that God demands, that justice demands uh, on your behalf. He has substituted in your place and that he died for you and your sins have been forgiven and the law, you are no longer under the condemnation of the law or that you are not under the condemnation of the law. Uh, and so that gospel that was preached to the Galatians, now remember, they began to listen to the Judaizers. They began to think that they still had to keep the law uh, in order to be right before God, in order for some acceptance before God, uh, to continue with God, that they needed to keep the law and that they were trying to keep the law in order for uh, acceptance or uh, uh, maintaining this relationship with the Lord or rewarding for, you know, doing these things. But yet Paul here is telling them that everything was done for you by grace. Everything was by grace. Uh, they've been saved by grace. They're kept by grace. Everything is by grace. And as we've looked and seen, we, we've saw that the flesh profits nothing. We cannot do anything in our flesh to please God. Okay, so everything to do. Now, do we desire that on the inward man? Yes, we've actually been having been having a conversation with some uh, brothers about this this week uh, uh, over this thing last few days. Do we desire to be holy? Absolutely. In the inner man, we desire to be holy. Do we desire to obey God? Absolutely. Do, do we desire to love God and to love the brethren? Absolutely. We desire to do that, but we fail because of the flesh, right? To love God, we have to love him perfectly. To love each other, we have to love each other perfectly. And none of us do that. Now, we strive to do that, don't we? We, we try to be nice to each other. And we try to, you know, be long-suffering to each other. And we try to be patient with each other. But there comes a time that that patience runs out, don't it? <laughs> there comes a time when I really just don't love you right now. If you go in your room, I'll go in mine, you know? We have those times, right? So, therefore, we cannot truly Love the way that we uh, say that we do, right? Even among husbands and wives, right? Except for Kevin and Jacqueline, <laughs> me and my wife, we can love. We can't. We have. We fail at that, but we do strive to do that. We desire to do that. Remember, Paul said in Romans chapter seven, he says that that I desire. You know, the will is in me to do these things. But in my flesh, I cannot do it. I, you know, all I see that in my flesh, I am nothing but a dirty wretch. I am I'm a filthy rags is all that I can produce in this flesh. So everything that we see and that we talk about as far as striving and doing things for the Lord is all in the inner mind, is in the inner uh, man who desires these things. 
and everything that we do outwardly that comes out because what we desire and try to do inwardly is going to manifest itself outwardly in the exercise of trying to do something. But yet we always find ourselves falling short of it because as we, as we see in the scriptures, the Bible says that if we, if we fail at one point, we've failed at all. We can't keep it. Okay. So therefore, uh, it isn't that we don't desire along to and that we try to encourage each other to do these things. But always keep in mind whenever we say that, especially whenever I'm preaching on that and I, everybody that's listening and watching and everybody that's here, always understand that that always comes from the vantage point of knowing that we can't do anything. We cannot please God by anything that we do in this flesh. The only thing that is pleasing to God is his son and what his son did. His son's obedience is what is pleasing to God. And that's the only obedience that's pleasing to God. Your obedience, what you think is obedience, is not pleasing to God. Okay? Christ is pleasing to God. But yet we as his children desire in the inward man to follow after God, to desire to do what God uh, has said to do. And we strive to attain those things, even though we cannot attain it. Obtain, obtain it here. Not attain, obtain. We cannot obtain it here. Okay, we strive for that. We desire that. Okay, so that's the difference between saying, well, just go out and live however you want to live. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that there is going to be the love of God towards us is constraining us. It causes us to want to do what's right. But yet we find that in our flesh dwells no good thing. That every time we do go to do good, we find that evil is present with us because the flesh profits nothing. Okay? So we in ourselves cannot please God. So Paul here is trying to explain to the Galatians that, listen, no matter how hard you try at keeping the law, all you are doing is heaping upon yourself more condemnation. The condemnation is that you cannot do that. Matter of fact, we're going to see that in uh, in our passages uh, on down the line. Whenever it says, uh, let's see, I believe it's in uh, verse 21 of Galatians 4. It says, tell me ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? Okay, so Paul is telling me, hey, do you not understand what you're saying whenever you say that I need to be under the law or I need to keep the law or I need to do the law to be right with God, to stay right with God? Do you hear what the law is telling you? The law is always telling you and there's, no, there's never another answer. The law never has another answer except condemned, condemned, guilty, 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 all of us, guilty, guilty. That's what the law tells us. And yet you want to go and be under that? You want to desire to try to attain some sort of uh, uh, righteousness and obtain some sort of favor with Christ because of that? No, we, we trust Christ. We look to Christ. We rejoice in the works of Christ. And that is the things that God desires for us or has given to us uh, in by faith. And that's why... Uh, we see that the people who do or walk this way, the rule of life, as we'll see in chapter six, the rule of life is walking by faith, not by walking by the law. We walk by faith. We don't walk by law keeping. 
We walk this life by trusting Christ alone, looking to Christ alone, giving glory to God alone, exalting Christ alone for what he has done, right? And so uh, that is the walk or the rule of life for the child of grace. And the people who are the seed of Christ, the heirs of Christ, the generation of Christ, the lineage of Christ, the children of God, however you want to put it, those people like Abraham will look to Christ and count Christ alone as their righteousness and not look to their own law keeping their flesh to produce that. Okay. So we've seen that the child of grace then is an heir of Abraham. Look at Galatians chapter four and verse nine. Put your finger in the one Peter because we are going to start there here in just a minute. But look at Galatians chapter four. Verse 29, it says, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Remember, Abraham, verse 16, uh, chapter 3, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So the promises were made to Christ. But now in verse 29, it says, If ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we are now brought into that same covenant. We are brought into that same uh, 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 that same uh, promise, that same inheritance as the seed Christ, because we are Christ's seed. And of course, we talked about that. You know, if I'm if if I have an inheritance that I've built up for myself. And whenever I die, my children, who is my seed, will have that inheritance because they're mine, right? The guy across the street, he ain't going to get it because he's not my seed, all right? My children will receive my inheritance. That's what he's saying here. If ye are Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed. So the promise that was made to Abraham is made to you also, if ye are Abraham's seed. And so then we begin to look and see that because uh, it says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. As a child, sometimes we do not understand the fullness of our inheritance. Okay? We don't understand that. A little child doesn't understand how that works. He doesn't understand inheritance. He's not even thinking about an inheritance. Why? Because everything he has need of right now is being given to him. He's just, I mean, he's just living his life. Okay, he's not thinking about that. What's to come? See, we as children, we just, you know, we don't think about the inheritance. And so we, like many, consider ourselves to be a servant that we have to work for. It. See, that's what we believe by default. We think we have to work like a slave to obtain this righteousness. We have to work for it. We have to work for it. We have to work for it. And isn't that the default of everybody? Everybody thinks that if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'm going to heaven, right? If I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with the girls that do, then I'm going to go on to heaven. You know, it's all about what we do. It's all about what we are. It's all about how we walk and how we live and what we don't do and what we do. Right? I was going to say do do, didn't you? <laughs> it's all about performance. That's what the world 
and you look in every religion around the world, okay, in every religion all around the world, and I don't mean to get off on a tangent here, but in every religion, no matter what it is, okay, whether it's New Age, whether it's Hindu, whether it's uh, Buddhist, uh, Buddhism, whether it's uh, 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 um, uh, Islam, whether it's New Age stuff, whatever it is, and even within so-called Christianity, and I mean by Arminian Christianity, quote-unquote Christianity, if you look, there is one thread in every bit of all of those religions and denominations. But there is one thing that sets us apart, and anyone that's like us, that sets us apart from every religion, every denomination, every group of people. And that is the fact is they think that they have free will to choose and that by their works, by their obeying and things, they are being pleasing to God, that they can do the law. That that it's all about their works. Whether And they'll say, now the Christians, Armenian Christians, they'll say, well, we don't believe in work salvation. We believe in grace salvation. But yet they believe that you can't be saved unless you do something this, Okay. So that's works. That's a work salvation. But you look, every religion believes that they have a free will to do something to be pleasing to whatever God it is that they serve, right? But the thing that sets the true child of grace apart, the, the, the true Christian apart, is they believe that they can't do anything. That they can't do anything. Um friend of mine, Hal Brunson, um, he uh, said something a while back, and I'm trying to remember if I can remember exactly how he said it. He said the difference between the child of grace and the, and the, uh, the rest of religion is that um, God becomes the sinner, and the sinner becomes like God. Um, I think that's how he said it. If I may have misunderstood that. I'll have to go back and find that quote. I wrote it down somewhere. But the difference is, is God does everything for the sinner. But in everyone else's viewpoint, it's everything that the sinner does for God. And see, that's the difference between law and grace. Grace is everything has been done for you, and all you do is rejoice in the good of everything that's been done for you and not rely upon your flesh. Paul said, you know, we are not those who uh, boast in what we can do. We have no confidence in the flesh. I don't have any confidence in my flesh. If God tells me, hey, go out there and, and be a good missionary. You know what? I don't have any confidence in my flesh. I can't do that. Okay. I can't do that. I can go try but I never can be exactly everything that God. So what do I do? I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord in all things. So we tie it in then. After we see that we are, that only those who are of the seed of Christ can trust in Christ because they're the only ones that can hear God's words, right? Matter of fact, I think that's the verse we left out off on last week. John 8, 47. He that is of God Heareth God's words, ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. I have friends and family that are on my Facebook that are that do not believe these things. 
And and uh, you know they even joke about them. You know, make make cracks at them and things like that. Some may and everything, but they don't hear what we're saying. They don't understand what we're saying. They think it's foolish. Why? Because, well, obviously you got to have free will. God's telling you to do all this stuff and you got to be able to choose yes or no. How can God, how can you really show your love to God if you don't have a true choice? See? But see, what they don't understand is we really can't show our true love for God. We can't do it. The flesh profits nothing. Anything that we would try to produce in this flesh for God is always going to fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we need a substitute to do it for us. And Christ did that for us. Christ obeyed the Father completely and fully in every aspect, in every way. He, he did everything for us so that when God looks at us, he sees Christ. Everything. He sees Christ. Everything that was required. And so people don't want to hear that or they cannot hear that because they're not of God. They're not God's children. They're not God's seed. They're not God's lineage. They're not produced from that seed. Remember, we, we started with everything reproduces after its own kind. The first and everything that comes from it, the, the, the 5,000 trillion apple seed that comes out of an, the first apple is going to produce an apple tree that looks just like this first one, right? We as the seed of Christ, the spiritual, now we're talking about spiritual aspects, right? Everybody on, on with me on that. We're not talking about what we are in our body and the flesh here. This is, going to, this is corruptible. It's going to fall away, fade away. It has to fall away. Flesh and blood cannot receive the kingdom or uh, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We are not going into God's kingdom by works of the flesh and blood. It's only by the spirit. We are not going to enter into heaven with this flesh and blood because it is corrupt. So we're talking about spiritual things. Christ's spirit, his spiritual seed, every one of us in the spirit has the same life. And that life is going to look just like the original seed. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be holy. It's going to be just. It's going to be righteous. That seed looks like the originator. We are Christ. Okay? This outward flesh is not, is not becoming more like Christ. Our minds are being conformed to the image of Christ. But our outward man, this body of flesh, this thing that is corrupt, is not getting any better. It didn't get better in your new birth. It doesn't get any better by you keeping the commands and the laws of God. It is just flesh and it never will change. Now, I've said that a thousand fifty times, I think, over the course of this deal. And I hope everybody's understanding what I mean. If not, I will be glad to try to make it more clear. So we have the promise here. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. But we also find out that even though that you're an heir, at some points in our life, we don't realize that we're an heir, but we think that we're a servant. But it isn't until that child comes to maturity or is brought to maturity. It's not by his own working. He comes to maturity under that schoolmaster. What is that schoolmaster doing? It's driving into his head. You think you're serving? You did it wrong. You think you're serving? You did it wrong. You think you're serving? You did it wrong. The child thinks he's a servant. I'm serving God. 
But what does the law keep coming and doing? You missed it. You failed. Wrong. Nope. Uh Uh-uh. Try again. You're not going to make it. That's why I brought up that illustration a few weeks ago. Have you ever had somebody that's just all all the time constantly (coughs) telling you whatever you do is not right? That person is a pesterer. I mean, you want to just like poke them in the eye and say, go away, leave me alone. Some of it, it may even be true, and you know that it's true. But you don't want to hear it, right? You don't want to hear that over and over and over and over again. That's all the law does to us. Whenever a child of grace, though, is converted to the gospel, whenever Christ gives them understanding and opens up their eyes and opens up their hearing and gives them the ability spiritually to discern the things of the Spirit, then all of a sudden, that tutor that kept telling them, you think you're a servant, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. That child hears the deal. Guess what? You're an heir. And because you're an heir, you get the you get the promise. You get the inheritance. You're a child. You're not a servant. It's not about you trying to serve him perfectly. It's about you're his child. You get that. My child, my child, my children, they don't serve me perfectly. But yet that doesn't stop them from being my children and being heirs of whatever promise I might have to leave behind. See? So we have to be brought through this process of realizing that there is a heir of Christ and then there there are those that are not heirs of Christ. Those who are heirs of Christ in God's time will bring them to understand that they are no longer a servant, but a child. And whenever they realize that they are a child, that everything has been given to them freely without their work, without their servitude, then that child no longer is, is, is has any need for that law to be over them anymore, telling them that they're wrong, because they know that they're wrong. They know that they can't keep it. They know that they can't serve good enough. And so what do they do? They rest in the fact, well, I'm a child and it's coming to me by grace. And I just praise God for my father. I praise God for my father, for what he's done for me. Because I never could do it. You remember the, uh, you remember the uh, story of the prodigal son? Everything that he had, the whole entire thing, was, was his because he was a child of the father. But yet he went away and he squandered everything that he had in his, in his, in his uh, flesh. He went and just squandered everything. Everything that he had, he went and just squandered. And, he, and the Bible said that he wasted all, of, all the stuff that his father had given him. He wasted it all. He went out and wasted every bit of it. But then all of a sudden, the Bible says that whenever he came to his right mind, he realized, hey, I'm out here living like this, and I'm living worse than the servant in my father's house. But I'm his child. And so what did he do? He went back to the father. What did the father do? Did the father chastise him and say, you should have done that. You shouldn't have done that. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. I'm going to give you just a little bit. No, what did he do? He, he killed the fatty calf. He welcomed him back in. Why? Because the inheritance was always his because that's his child. And no matter how far that child ran ran away, no matter how far that child was off in sin and not acting like the child, he still was the child. And the inheritance was still his. See? 
So we went then to Hebrews and found out in Hebrews that the only way that we can maintain this knowledge or this understanding of being a child is because we've been given faith. And faith undergirds our hope that this we have a hope in Christ that, that what he has done and what he has given is ours. And therefore, whenever we have the faith given to us by God that undergirds our hope, there comes an assurance that what has been said in the gospel is said about me, said about me. And so we hope in Christ, not a maybe so, but an earnest expectation that because I'm his child, I will receive the full inheritance, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I took that route over the last few Sundays. And so now we've been looking at the fact of, well, does the Bible truly say there are two groups of people? Those who are heirs and only them, and those who are not heirs and they never will get. Okay? Is that true? So that's what we've been looking at. And so last week we started looking at several verses in Scripture that show that there are two seeds. There is the seed of Satan. There is the seed of Christ. The seed of Satan is those that are the reprobate, that are those who are called the wicked, there are those who are called uh, 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 the uh, children of uh, the devil. Several places in Scripture that the Bible talks about this, and Jesus called this out on many accounts uh, and said, you know, you don't hear me because you're not my sheep. He said, you don't hear me because you're not of God. That's the Scripture we talked about uh, last, last week. Um, you're not of God. You're of your Father. See, you have a Father, my children... I'm their father. Okay? So, let's pick up with these, uh, looking at these verses again today. And we'll start in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, look at verse uh, uh, 23, if, we, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. <clears throat> It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now here we see that we are being born again. Now, remember Jesus, his discussion with Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus came to him and, and asked him, you know, what must a man do? Uh, you know, we hear that you're, you know, all these things you do, we know is somebody that is more than just a man. You know, you have to have some sort of favor with God doing all this kind of stuff. And Jesus said that you must be born again. It comes down to this, Nicodemus, you must be born again. The only way that you can have eternal life is you must be born again. And what did Nicodemus think? In his natural mind, he said, Wait a minute, you mean I have to crawl back up into my mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus said, you know, hey, are you a teacher? <laughs> teacher in Israel and you don't know these things, okay? No, we're not talking about the fleshly things. We're talking about a spiritual thing. You were born one time in the fleshly way with the nature of Adam and all you can do is sin. But to inherit or to have eternal life, to inherit the promise, you have to be born from above. There has to be a second birth, not a rebirth, a second birth. 
Okay? Not regeneration, but there must be a quickening. There must be a new birth. There must be a different birth. A, a second birth of different kind. The first kind was of the flesh, of the earth. Earth that you are born a natural man, and the flesh can profit nothing, and you can't do anything, and it never will inherit the kingdom of God. But there is a second birth that comes from above, and that second birth that comes from above is a spiritual birth, and it is by that birth that makes you an heir to the promises of God in which you inherit eternal life. So that was what was told to Nicodemus, right? Okay, now with that being said, look at verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. See, the scripture is, is confirming what the scripture has already said. What Jesus said to Nicodemus, Peter here is confirming the exact same thing. Not being born again in the physical. Okay, we don't be born again in the physical. We're being born again not of corruptible seed, the first time we were born of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. So the being born again is the being born again, uh, being born again, being born again of incorruptible. We're born again in a, we're born in a corruptible way. We're born again in an incorruptible way. That which is born from above is incorruptible. Okay, it is born because uh, incorruptible because the original seed is incorruptible. Christ is incorruptible, and because ye are Christ, ye are incorruptible. But it's only in the spirit that you are incorruptible. Again, the flesh profits nothing. He says, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Who's the word of God? It's by Christ, right? How are you born again? It is by Christ. The Bible says that he's been given power over all flesh to give eternal life to whomever he chooses, right? Now, I'll say this. Let me backtrack just a minute. I used to preach this verse a different way. I used to preach this verse this way. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Who's the word of God? This right here, this Bible. Who preaches it? This guy right here. How do they get born again? Whenever I, as a preacher, preach this word and you hear it, then you get born again. That's how I used to preach this. That's how a lot of people I know preach this. That's how modern-day Christianity preaches this, that people are born again by the preaching of God's word. But that's not the case. The case is this. Jesus Christ is the word of God. It's whenever Christ speaks not with the outward ear, but with the inward. He speaks life. He speaks light. He speaks hearing, seeing into us. He tells us to hear. He tells us to see on a spiritual way, and we do. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth Forever. It does not the word of God, Jesus Christ, liveth and abideth forever? Is that not speaking of him? Now some has some has argued with me and they say, Well, Pastor, that word word there is not logos, it's Rhema. Mm -hmm. By the word of God. I still think that's talking about Jesus. And here's the reason why. Look at verse 25. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Is that not saying the same thing as what verse 23 says? 
by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The word of the Lord endureth forever. Is that not saying the same thing, right? Now look, and this is the word by or which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, if we're if if the word of God is talking about this right here, the Bible, then that's saying, and this is the word of God, which by the word of God is being preached to you. That don't make any sense. It says, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by what is preached to us by the gospel. You see that? Look at it. Don't check out on me here. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Do we preach the Bible to people? No, we're preaching Christ, right? We're preaching the word of God to people. We're preaching Christ, the Logos to people. So that's what's telling me that verse 23 is not talking about preaching the gospel to people, that it is Christ that is giving life. And in verse 25, it says that's who we are to preach. We're to preach Christ. Not the preaching of the preacher, okay? There are a lot of people that want to exalt the preacher and the and the work of the preacher as so great that, you know, without that, and see, and that's why the Baptist split way back in the 1800s over these things. Whenever that began to infiltrate the Baptist uh, uh, churches, that, you know, all these people are dying out there and we got to get them preachers out there as missionaries because people are going to hell that would go to heaven if we could have a preacher because you have to have a preacher for them to get saved. That's not what this is saying, brother. Do you not believe that Jesus can keep all that are his and make sure that they're saved? Make sure that they come to him? He said, all that the Father gives me shall come to me and all that come to me I will in no wise cast out. Every one of those children will not be lost. So with that being the case, we know that all of his seed will be saved. Being born again, not a corruptible seed, Satan's seed, but of incorruptible seed, Christ's seed, by the word of God, which is Christ, which liveth and abideth forever. So here we see two types of seed, the corruptible seed, the incorruptible seed. Look with me, if you would, at 1 John 3.9. We talked a little bit about this first few weeks ago. But here again, we see Christ's seed here. 1 John 3.9. Whosoever is born of God, if somebody's born of God, then that means that they're a seed of God, right? They're the seed. That's his seed. Whoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. I know that's a hard verse. Matter of fact, I was reading through some of these verses these morning, especially all the verses around this. And I was telling Lord, I said, these are some hard verses to look at and understand. You know, whenever we read these things, it kind of goes against, you know, our understanding of a lot of times of how to how to look at these this and understand, but it says here cl clearly that whoever is born of God, and we know that he that is of God, we we know that there are people that are born of God, right? All of His children are born of God. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born. 
of God. Now, how do we reconcile that with the rest of Scripture? Especially with the context that's here in 1 John that says, if you say that you have no sin, then you make God out to be a liar because he says that every one of you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? How do we reconcile these two things? Just as Paul reconciled them. In my flesh, I will serve the law of sin, but in my mind, I will serve the law of God. In my flesh, I can do no good thing. I'm wretched. I cannot please God. It's nothing but evil. But in my spirit, in my in, the, in my mind, in that inner man, that thing that's born from heaven, that thing that's created, not from earth, not of incorruptible seed, but that which is cr uh, uh, created at, at, in the uh, incorruptible seed, that cannot sin. It's perfect. It's holy. It's just. It's right. Why? Because it's the life of Christ. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It cannot sin. Christ cannot sin. Therefore, his children in seed, in spirit, cannot sin. Now, there's a lot to say about all those verses around there, but I don't have time to do that. Let's move on. It says, uh, Let's go to Psalms, back, back to the Old Testament. I want to read a few back here. Uh, let's go to uh, Psalms 14. Just about time. Psalms 14. Didn't get as far as I wanted to get today. But we got as far as the Lord wanted to go. Psalms 14. And look with me at verse 5. It says, There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. So here we see that there is a righteous generation. There is a righteous lineage. And it says, They were they in great fear. They feared the Lord. You know, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, the Bible says that uh, the fear that uh, they uh, that that the children of God they're the ones who fear Him. Matter of fact, uh, you go you look back at Cornelius. Uh, Cornelius was a man who feared God, but yet he had never heard the gospel preached to him. But yet the Bible said he feared God, and and the Bible said that. That he prayed to God and God heard his prayers. Now how did that happen if he hadn't heard the gospel from some preacher so that he could be born again? Well, I think it's because he was already born again. And I think that he just hadn't heard the gospel and wasn't converted to the truth, hadn't repented of his wrong thinking to the right thinking, but he still was a child of God. And because he was a child of God, he feared God. And because he was a child of God, God heard his prayers. Even though he had not yet experienced that gospel uh, yet or heard that gospel yet. He was a generation that feared God. He was a seed. He was the lineage that feared God. The lineage of God will fear God. Those who don't fear God are not gods. Right? So look at, with me if you would, Psalm 22 and verse 30. Psalm 22 and verse 30. It says, a seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. A seed shall serve him, and it shall be accounted to the Lord 
for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that he hath done this. What does the generation of Christ do? Well, the generation of Christ declares his righteousness, right? The generation of Satan, what do they, what do, they do? They declare their own righteousness. But the generation of God declares Christ's righteousness. They shall come and shall declare his, whose, the Lord's. They shall declare his righteousness. What are we doing here today? We're declaring the righteousness of the Lord. We're not exalting man and declaring the righteousness of man and what we should do in our repenting, believing, receiving, being dunked under the water, becoming a member of a church, going out and doing all the good deeds to the poor, to the widows, and to the orphans. Uh, all these things that the Bible talks about, about being good and all the, whatever you want to lay to, okay? Whatever you want to lay to. Now we declare his righteousness. <coughs> Paul said, I am what I am because of his righteousness. Paul said, what, what, do, uh, what causes you to differ than everybody else? Christ's righteousness is what causes you to differ. Right? A seed shall serve him. Look at chapter 24 and look at verse 6. It says, this is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. So there is a generation of people that seek him, that seek his face. Now, we don't seek until he first gives us the ability to seek, right? There is no contradictions in the Bible, okay? The Bible does not contradict itself. We have lots of people out there that say there are people that are seeking the Lord, okay? But yet the Bible says there are none that seek after me. Now, is that a contradiction where it says right here that these people seek after the Lord? No, we just have to understand the biblical timing or the biblical uh, order in which people seek. Apart from the new birth and apart from uh, conversion, God giving them eyes to see and ears to hear, opening up their understanding, giving them spiritual discernment, Apart from that, no man seeketh after God. But only whenever they are given that, then they come and seek after God. That, as I said, that publican that was praying, you know, give grace to me, a sinner. He was seeking after God, right? He was seeking the Lord's forgiveness. He was seeking the Lord's favor and grace. What caused him to do that? Because he was given a broken and contrite heart by the Spirit of God. See, it's always initiated by God first. God must have to give you that desire. God has to give you that want. God has to give you. The Bible says that my people shall be made willing in the day of my power. They're not willing in and of themselves. Nobody is willing. But God makes us willing. But it's only in the day that he, he exerts the power over us to break that hard heart and give us a heart of flesh. The Bible says that I will give them a new heart and then they will follow after me. They will come to me after that. But it's only those who are of his seed there. It says his generation. This is the generation of them that seek him. Look at Psalms 102. 
want to move kind of quick through here because I want to get to a certain place at least before we stop. Psalm 102 and verse 18. It says, This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people shall be created, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. Um, this shall be written. These things of, the, of, of Christ in the Old Testament shall be written for who? It shall be written for the generation to come. And the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. Now you think, wait a minute. God created Adam, and all of us are born of Adam. It's just life rebirth. It's not creation after creation after creation. Is that what the Bible teaches? But what, what are we talking about here, though? We're talking about a, a generation that is a spiritual generation. Not a fleshly lineage, but a spiritual lineage, right? And those who are born in the Spirit, the Bible says that we are a new creation, created in Christ Jesus. Not in Adam. We're created in Christ Jesus. But we're called a new creation. Whenever we are born from above, it's a new creation. It's not an old, it's not the old creation reworked or made better. It's a new creation. And here he says that this uh, shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. Whenever they hear this message of what Christ is about, what Christ has done, who Christ is for them, what will they do? They'll praise him. They're not going to praise themselves. They're not going to praise the preacher. They're not going to praise the missionary. They're not going to praise the deacons or anybody else. Who are they going to praise? They're going to praise Christ. Psalms 112, verse 2. says, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Christ's seed, who's, that's what's in context here, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed, the Lord's seed, shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. The generation of Christ is going to be blessed. Want to be blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, right? The Bible says that we are going to be blessed with the promise that God has given to his children. Now, lastly, let's look at Isaiah 53, and we'll stop there today. We've been showing that there is a seed of Christ, and that differs from the seed of Satan. Now, next week, we're going to look at some verses showing there is an actual seed in the generation of Satan. But let's end today with Isaiah 53. And the whole chapter, actually, is, is wonderful for us. Matter of fact, the whole chapter here is uh, the gospel in one chapter. Uh, to me, Isaiah is the Romans of the Old Testament. Uh, it is the theological uh, uh, Goliath 
of, uh, of the Old Testament. But let's look, if you would, starting in verse 8. Speaking of Christ, it says, He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? Or who is going to who is going to uh, talk about, or who is going to proclaim, who is going to, uh, who is going to uh, consider or ponder his generation for years to come? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. See, the Bible has been talking about, and all these promises have been talking about the seed and his generation, right? We've been reading all these verses, especially here in the Old Testament. We've been reading these things talking about the generation that is to come, the generation of Christ, all these people. And it says, well, who's going to declare these things if he's going to be cut off out of the land of the living? He says, for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Now here it is. He shall see his seed. Who is he dying for? Who is Christ being bruised for? Who is Christ being put to grief for? Who is Christ's soul being made an offering for sin for? His seed. If people don't believe in the election... They don't believe the Bible. The Bible is replete, Old Testament and New Testament, in absolute election of God, in individual election. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about this uh, wishy-washy, uh, compromising, trying to be on both sides of the fence election that some people preach that says, "Yeah, but that's talking about nations and not people." You ever heard that? Have you ever heard say, someone say, "Well, the election in the Bible is talking about nations, not people, it's not talking about individuals." Romans nine is not talking about is not talking about individuals. It's talking about Esau and Jacob, two nations of people. Well, let me ask you, what makes up a nation? People, right? <laughs> you can't have a nation without a people. If God chose this nation and not this nation, he still made a choice not to choose this nation and to choose this nation. God still said yes, no. God still said these people, if you want to go to Malachi and say these are talking about nations and not individuals, go to, go to Malachi and it says what? It says that this nation, I'm not blessing and I'm not going to ever let them be blessed. This nation over here, I love and I have blessed them because I called them, elected them, okay? So whether it's many people or if it's just individuals, God still made a choice of one over the other. You can't get away from that. So you can try to water it down all you want. But what does he say here? Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Whose iniquities? The many. Who are the many? The seed. 
Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide, divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, Satan's seed, and he bare the sin of many, Christ's seed, and made intercession for the transgressors of his seed. See, we are transgressors just like Satan's seed, but he made, he made intercession for us, his seed. He didn't make intercession for anybody else. He only made intercession for his seed. So here we see Christ has a seed, and that seed has promises made to it that they will be this kind of people and that they will be a people that listens to him, hears his voice, looks to him alone, cast all their cares upon him. They look to him for their righteousness. All these things, they will do that because they are his seed. It will be their declaring his righteousness. It will be there being the generation that makes these things known to the rest of the world. Okay? It's their, uh, his seed and their seed only. And so whenever we talk about being seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise, it is not for everybody. It is only for Christ's seed. All right, we'll stop right there and we'll look at Satan's seed next week, Lord willing. I was hoping to only do this in two two Sundays, but... Looks like we'll move into another Sunday. Anybody have any questions or comments about today or about anything? Any additions? Testify about something? Lord, then? All right. Continue to continue to pray for my grandmother and her health. Continue to. Uh, uh, Oh, uh, pray also for, uh, we have a good friend, his name's uh, Larry Armstrong. Uh, his, uh, his family is friends with ours, uh, and uh, he has seemingly has COVID again for the second time. Uh, don't, know for, don't know whether that's true or not. He's waiting to get his test results back again, but they think that he has caught COVID again. Uh, so anyway, he's he's not feeling very good. He's an elderly man. I can't remember how old Larry is. I think he's somewhere in his 70s or so, I would guess, uh, in his 70s. And he lives alone. His wife passed away a couple of years ago or a year ago. And uh, so he lives by himself, except for some dogs. And uh, we'll be in prayer for Larry Armstrong. Uh, and Tom also said, uh, I think that... Uh, uh, the Dalton and uh, Lisa and them also has COVID, or at least co Lisa has COVID or something. Anyway, pray for that whole family, the Armstrong family. Anybody? All right. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we once again come to you this morning thanking you so much for Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, for all the things that you've done on our behalf. We thank you for this day that you've given to us, the time of fellowship with uh, the brethren. We thank you, Father, for all the uh, grace and mercy that you've given to us through him. We thank you, Father, for forgiveness of sins, for the reconciliation that we have Christ Jesus. We thank you for a righteousness uh, that is given to us. Uh, we thank you for the word of God that is here to tell us these things in the spirit of God to teach us what it says 
about the things that's freely given to us, Lord. And we pray for our family. We pray for our friends, those who may not believe this gospel, Lord. We pray that you might give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, Lord. We pray that you would help us to be uh, meek and to be uh, long-suffering, patient in our uh, discussions with them on the gospel. Uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, draw your people to yourself as you have promised you would. We ask, Lord, that you would just be with us this week, that you might keep us safe. I pray for these brethren, Lord, that you might have edified their heart uh, this morning through the uh, uh, the message. I pray, Lord, that it's been of truth and not uh, of my own devices, but it's truly been the word of God that has been preached today. Lord, I pray that you bless the food that we're about to eat to the nourishment of our bodies for us. In Christ's name that we pray. Amen.